This week on Inside the Ropes, life on the senior tour with one of our best ever players, Rod Pampling, plus Gavin Kirkman from the Australian Golf Industry Council on the Nature Report, one of the most significant documents we've seen in golf for a long, long while. And it's been a good week for old timers, and we've found a couple of crackers. It's that time of the week. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe now through your favourite podcast app. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Inside the Ropes. This is episode 228. I'm Martin Blake, Media Manager for Golf Australia, and we've got a heap of news to report on and analyse for our listeners today. Starting out with Rod Pampling, straight out of North Carolina, who's joining us for the first time in a little while to talk us through his 2021 season in America, a year that's included his first win on the PGA Champions Tour. I mentioned Gavin Kirkman, who's the CEO of the Australian PGA, but who also wears a different hat being chair of the AGIC, which is a collaboration of all the main industry bodies in this country. The AGIC released some research today on golf, uh, and it's interesting to say the least, so we'll chat about that. And to help me along, it's welcome back to the PGA Senior Writer and Golf Digest Writer at Large, Tony Wiebeck. Welcome, Tony. Hey, Blakey. Nice to be back. I love talking to Rod Pampling. I reckon he's a beauty. He's a good fella, and uh, yeah, it was nice. I think we we had a bit of a mental block there on the Champions Tour of the Aussies for a while. We had 18-year wait before Rod won the uh, the Boeing Classic a couple of months ago. So uh, it'll be good to catch up with him. And un- I might have to bring up, unfortunately, he's, uh, his rabbit is losing the NRL grand final. So You did have to turn around the NRL, didn't you? Well, I know he's such a passionate South fan, so I don't know whether he yeah. would have got to watch it or not, but we'll find out. And um, Yeah, I'm sure- hopefully he's not hurting too much. 20 years playing in America, Pamps, and... Uh- you know, he's done extremely well for himself. He won four times on the main tour, and now he's had a win on the seniors tour, which is extremely competitive. But, I mean, for a guy who was earning 69 bucks a week as a apprentice greenskeeper at Caboolture or something like that, uh, he's come a long way. There's, I kind of wonder, you know, I've spoken to Rod about this in the past, and guys like Paul Gow, the grind, you know, the grind they had to go through, and I, it's still the case these days for the young guys coming through but they had to ingrain so many good habits just to get by um and then when they get to the you know getting there was the hard part and they had to you know blood sweat and tears to get to the pga tour so by the time they got there their game was absolutely good enough to win and once you get that first um you can sort of hopefully follow it up and you're right he's he's had a wonderful career he won right up until well just a couple of years before his 50th birthday. So that got him through all the way to debuting on the Champions Tour. And he's been really competitive since day one. And it was great to see him get that our first win there on that tour since 2003. Just uh, for some reason, people seem to under, underrate Rod Pampling. I think he's had an absolutely fabulous career. Now, have you, uh, I, I'm sure you've read the 97 pages of the Nature Report. I'm a, no, I say I'm, I'm a speed sure. reader. I'm not sure. I'm a speed reader. <laughs> I think I sent it to you this morning, didn't I, or last night. Uh, the Nature Report, for those who are listening, has been commissioned by the AGIC. It's about taking a snapshot of where Australian golf is at the moment and also it looks into the future and some of the challenges around that. So we'll be talking about that later. It's quite interesting kind of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think the kind of the theme of the Nature Report surprises me, but the numbers do. There are some really big numbers in terms of, you know, the fact that they've referenced 9 million Australians are interested in golf and only less than 5% of those are golf club members. I think so much we've got caught up in this country of focusing on golf clubs and and the people within them and our market is far beyond that. And we're seeing now alternate top golf and mini golf facilities that are popping up, driving ranges are bursting at the seams. Um, Golf's a very, very popular sport and we need to make sure that everyone who plays it in any format feels part of it and we haven't done a very good job of that in the past i'm hoping this report um fast tracks that and we uh yeah we expand our golf community exponentially gavin kirkman will be in for this week's podcast to talk to talk to us about that uh a little later in the program so tournament wise 
this week, Tony. The PGA Tour Shriners event in Las Vegas was won by Sung Im, who's one of the most talented young players in the world. We saw that at the President's Cup in Melbourne a couple of years ago. 24 under, shot 62 in the last round, if you don't mind, to win by four. That is emphatic. Could have been. He missed two birdie putts in the last few holes by a matter of an inch or two. I could have. 59 watch was well on the cards. It was extraordinary. And he just fired at every flag. It was, it was like watching a robot hit. Mark Leishman, when I woke up on Monday morning, I thought Leish had another win in him. He uh, he actually got to the a share of the lead at one point on the uh, back nine, ended up shooting 63, which wasn't quite good enough, but he finished tied tied third, picked up 371 grand for, for his work. But uh, Leish actually threatened to win that, just uh, fell away a little bit. And the, the, the other players, uh, in particular Sung Jae-im, were, you know, they had holes to spare on him, didn't they? So he was going to have to post a score. And then I think it was the 16th he tried to drive the green on a short par four, ended up in the water. Uh, so I guess he uh, he was taking it on at least. He, he, he you know, he knew, knew he probably needed an eagle. Um, he's, he's ended up, you know, four or five shots short anyway. So, but a great result like, for Leash. Yeah. I feel like Leash's last two starts have been very similar to what we might club go through in club golf. He was well back at the start of the day, just went and played and found himself five or six under through 10 holes and started thinking about if he makes a few more birdies, what he might be able to post. And sure enough, that's normally game leisure. So uh, yeah, a couple of loose ones. I, I think I tweeted out at one point that he joined, was tied at the top or one back and the very next shot he blocked way out into the right. So, so you uh, put the anchor on him. I may have contributed, but I'd like to think. I think you've got a bit of a history of that with some of your tweets. I think I'm going to have to stop you tweeting. In my former life at Big League Magazine, we had a few issues with some covers where players got injured that week as well. So uh, maybe I'm more powerful than I give myself credit for. I must admit I've got a bit of a history of that myself, especially when I invest any money on any particular. I'm very good at backing slow horses now. Cam Davis and Matt Jones were the best of the Australians other than Leishman, finished tied 27th. Actually, Matty Jones, was uh, was he in the lead early on or close to it? Yeah. Yeah, he shot 64 in the first round and um, that was his first start in uh, five weeks. So um, I think he surprised himself and yeah, four good rounds under his belt. So that'll be good for him in the next few weeks to start his FedEx Cup season. LPGA was the Founders Tournament in New Jersey and Jin Young Ko, the world number two from South Korea, won by four. Again, completely dominant. It was her third win this season. But the stat that jumped out at me this year is that Jin Young Ko, who's a previous winner of the Women's Australian Open, a tremendous player, she's had 14 consecutive rounds in the 60s, including all four in that event. And that actually ties the LPGA record held by none other than Annika Sorenstam, who did 14 in a row in 2005, which was right at the height of her completely and utterly dominant career. So if Jin Young Ko this week can shoot one more round in the 60s to start the tournament uh, on the LPGA this week, she'll break that record. Amazing record. I might put a bet on that she shoots 70. Now that now that we've now that we've brought no. it to everyone's attention, no, with the the anchor that you're putting on them, you should say, yeah, she's going to break the record, and then it won't. Yeah, happen. yeah, yeah. Victor Hovland shot. Uh, Victor Hovland had 19 rounds in a row in the 60s, which is the PGA Tour record, which is pretty impressive. I I, I looked at this during the week. Tiger's best, 14, 14 mm. in a row. I guess it depends whether you're playing the tougher courses, tougher setups to some extent, but. Yeah, very impressive by Jin Young. Ko Minji Lee, who's been red hot lately, uh, finished tied 25th as the best Australian in that event. And on the Symmetra Tour, Robin Choi in the last uh, tournament of the year. She, Robin Choi ended up number 23 on the money list on the Symmetra Tour. Uh, one last thing, Europe, uh, the Spanish Open. Now, that that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Rafa Cabrero Bayo uh, winning a playoff over Adri Anu another Spaniard, to win his first event on the European Tour for four years, I think. It's incredible seeing him speak afterwards about how far his game had deteriorated and um, I'm not sure exactly what his world ranking had dropped to, but, you know, this was a guy that I think was, I'm not sure if he would have played a Ryder Cup, but he would have been maybe four or eight years ago in the mix. Um, 
yeah, it's it's it can be a cruel game, and we kind of we forget sometimes just how quickly it can leave you, and then all of a sudden he comes out and wins the thing. So, and not not only a tournament, but he's home open. So, she's a funny game. Anthony Quayle finished tied twenty best Australian in the Bridgestone Open on the Japan uh, Golf Tour and on the Champions Tour, which we'll be speaking to Rod Pampling about in a moment. Uh, he was actually the leading Australian at the Constellation Furick and Friends event in Jacksonville, but Phil Mickelson won that. He's uh, he's proving very dominant now that he's turned fifty and got out on the on the Champions Tour. Phil, I think he's quite enjoying being the young buck out on tour. The uh, the lean, mean, swinging machine. It's um, he's he's sort of flourishing in this later period of his career, and he's probably enjoying a bit of uh, free air at the top of that top of that tour now that I guess Tiger's not there to steal his thunder. And doesn't it add something to the Champions Tour? It's uh, it's really worth watching at the moment. Well, that's a nice segue for us anyway, Tony. That's the tournament uh, results for the week. Uh, we're going to come back in just a moment uh, to talk to Rod Pampling. With Australian Golf Media, you're back Inside the Ropes. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. And Tony... Uh, one of our favourites is joining, as I mentioned uh, today. What would you give me? Give me a guess as to Rod Pampling's career earnings on the US tour. Oh, that's a great question, actually. I've got a few. Who's question for the week? I've always wanted to ask some financial questions of these guys and what they do with all this cash <laughs> they stock up, stockpile. Oh, I don't know. Give us a number. I should have looked. I'm going to say sixteen million. Oh, not too bad. Eighteen million. He's actually. Oh. He's actually one of the most accomplished players in the history of Australian golf, I've got to say. And he's a great bloke as well. Rod Pampling, all the way from Cary, North Carolina. Welcome to Inside the Ropes again. Thanks, guys. Good to be here again. What's happening there? I think you've got a uh, Champions Tour or, you know, PGA Champions event this week. Uh, and this mm-hmm. tour, the season's sort of winding down. You've had a great year, of course. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, you know, obviously the COVID was a bit of a, uh, uh, disruption to everyone's schedules, but, uh, yeah, last year taking six months off, it sort of took a little bit to get things going, but no, this year has been really solid. The form has been good and we're giving ourselves a chance nearly every week. So it's, uh, it's nice to be, uh, actually up there and enjoying the game again. Uh, we haven't spoken to you since your one-year event this year, and you're number eleven on the on the list. Phil Mickelson's just won uh, another one last weekend. I think he's played in four and won three. So, some pretty yep. formidable competition out there. Albeit that you're you're playing some great golf. Oh yeah, you know whenever Phil comes out, obviously he's still obviously he's the current PGA champion. So he's uh, you would like to think he's going to be up there, but uh, still, you know, he was. Uh, he was pushed to the end by with uh, with Jimenez, um, so and again it was kind of one of those amazing Phil's shots on sixteen. It went into the left rough, and he was he managed to hit one of those shots out again to save par. So, which that's obviously history. That's <laughs> he's done it a lot, and he uh, he escaped with this one. But um, you know, it's great to have him out there. It brings a lot of attention to us uh, on the the Champions Tour and especially with uh, Furyk's first uh, event hosting it was uh, was huge there was there was a lot of people out there it was it was great to hear actually some nice roars out there as well Pimps, I'm always interested the leaderboards we see in the champions tour these days are the ones we grew up well, I grew up watching yep. in the 80s and 90s on the PGA tour how's the atmosphere and the environment different because these guys are still like you say Phil's a reigning a major champion this year and he's out there and Ernie and Bernard Langer and him and it, like all these guys who are just, what's the atmosphere and environment like compared to a PGA Tour event? How are they different? Well, the guys are a lot more relaxed. Obviously, it's uh, most of the guys have realized that they've reached their pinnacle on the main tour and now it's uh, a little bit more fun. But you know, get on the range and guys are working hard all the time. It's uh, nonstop grinding, trying to find, you know, from. Larry Mize, who's 64, and he still pounds so many balls trying to find out what he's doing. And just people are, you know, it's never ending with, with golf. You're always asking questions with other guys. Uh, and, to, you know, I played with uh, Alazabel on Friday, and he wasn't playing great, but he's out there 
Friday afternoon, Saturday morning before he's around, Saturday afternoon still grinding away. It's this game is, uh, it still gets you to work hard, but it's a lot more relaxed out there until obviously, you know, the back nine on Sunday comes around. What If you're up there with a chance, you're definitely trying to win. So it's, that's still great. You get the um, adrenaline rush of, of trying to win an event, um, but it's definitely a lot more relaxed out there. And at the end of the days, you kind of sit down in the locker rooms and have a little chat with, uh, with a few guys, whoever walks in. Can you see yourself at 64 out there pounding balls, grinding, <laughs> still trying to get, <laughs> get the, it? If the fun. body, if the body lets me, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's fun right now. So I don't know. The body's still good, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it at least another eight years. So once we get past sixty, we'll we'll have a look. But uh, by then, you know, because it's it's you don't know who's coming through. Obviously, there is a few more coming through, but um, how many come through it depends if you get knocked out off the because it goes by money list and career earnings and whatnot. So um, you know, if I get to sixty, and I'm still out there playing. I'll be. Uh, oh, I think I'll still keep cracking at it. Most of the guys, you know, Blake, you mentioned your career earnings. Most of the guys out there aren't shy of a dollar. What is it that drives them on? What is it that, you know, you guys are still chasing? And, you know, we had a, a guy here in Brisbane who had a hole in one at 99 years of age during the week. But what is it that you guys are still chasing out there that money already hasn't provided? Well, you know, obviously you go, you know, like Larry Mines and those guys, you know, for them, the money was, obviously it was great, but it's nothing like these days. So, um, there's, yes, they're wealthy and they've done well for themselves, but it's not like these days where the money, because that's what everyone kind of relates to these days. But, you know, a lot of those guys, their careers, they might have had five to 10 million, which is obviously still a lot, but over 20 years, it's expensive to travel and do all those things. So the, um, the passion to still win some money for the, you know, for the future and have a nice end of your career and try to look after your family is still key for a lot of guys, but it's just golf. It, golf is, uh, it drives your batty for trying to get better with it's never ending story. You're just always trying to get better. And as you said, the guy's 99, I don't know how many he's had before, but if that's his first, damn hats off to him for still going. So, but that's the thing. It's just one shot in this game is enough to bring you back for a month. And for us, it's just, that's our job, but we just love doing it. So it's just the passion to keep going. Did you ever have a moment or two along the way that you you did lose the love for it at all? I mean, I'm thinking of the travel and, you know, you got uh, family. um, Definitely through fifth, I think it was 14, 15 of, I really wasn't playing great at all. It was just extremely hard to get things, uh, you know, just to shoot par. It was just, it was uh, very frustrating. But, you know, thankfully we just uh, rehashed and went back through everything with the golf swing and went back to basically the original stuff that we'd originally started with. And and that's proved to be, um, you know, a great move. And obviously we're, we're back again playing nicely. And do you do you you know your kids? I think are now probably teenagers. And do Angela and the kids? Do you are you able to bring them with you much of the time or any of the time? No, the school's still involved. Like I have a sixteen, fifteen, and ten year old. So the sixteen year old, he's starting his journey. He's a junior in high school, and he's uh, he's on the golf team. So he's uh, just At had Sam? his best. Yes, just had his best yep. event last week. He finished fourth in a pretty good sized field. So. He was stoked with that. But, no, it's with our summer break, which is, you know, the July or June, July, August kind of over here, that's when they can come out. So Sam was out um, with me at the players uh, this year. So that was great to have him out with uh, – and I, we actually stayed with Johnny Sandon and he had his son Jacob out. So there was the four of us in like a little cabin near the course. It was uh, – that was a lot of fun. And how do you handle Sam, uh, you know, in terms of parenting as opposed to being, a, you know, a, an outstanding player yourself? Do you leave it to someone else to, to guide him oh, yeah. through that? Or, or, or do you yeah, I don't have, know. You, have I don't you done know the anything. coaching? As, as, as fathers, you know, we all realise we've been there. We know nothing. So I soon uh, learned to take – I sent him to my coach as well, uh, Alex Murray over here in, in the U.S., so – but it, it's great. It's been a couple of years. So now he's actually uh, comes back and, and chats with me quite a lot. And um, 
that that's been good. As I say, the coaching side we weren't getting on too well, so I had to push him uh, push him to my to my coach, and and it, that's that's been great. Like so teaching a teenager uh, to drive, maybe. Yeah, yeah, we're right in the middle of that, so it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting. We've all been there, so it's uh, uh, very interesting times. But uh, I have been told they do come back and understand that we do know a little bit after a while. Well, as the coach of the Varsity Vipers under-15s basketball team, I actually do know nothing and my son knows it, so that makes it a challenge. <laughs> um, okay. What's it been like? We've had a, an influx of Aussies this year join the Champions Tour. You probably led the way uh, 18 months or so ago. We had Rob and Mark Hensby and Apples come out and Johnny Sendon, of course. Has that added yep. anything to the environment for you guys to be all back together on tour again? Uh, it, you know, it's definitely great. It's nice to, uh, to um, well, I like to stir the pot a little bit. So to have Robert out there is he's an easy one to stir and Stewie's pretty good as well. But, uh, and having, you know, mate Sendo back out there, you know, we've traveled a lot together. That That's awesome. Uh, obviously, you know, now for the, the Kiwi side, they've got Stevie Alpers out there just tearing it up. He's playing mm-hmm. phenomenal golf. But, um, yeah, it's just nice to have the guys. It's, uh, you know, the other players out there are just not happy because they're, they're calling it the Aussie invasion at the moment, So, uh, which is good. You know, obviously, jokingly, they're uh, ragging us a little bit about there's too many Australians over here and we're going to have to limit the numbers to three or something like that. But, um, no, it's good. It really is good to have uh, some other guys out there and yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I guess Chalmers is not too far away either, your neighbour. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, I think he just hit forty nine, didn't he? I think he. Uh, so he's got another year to go. So, um, yeah, he, it'll be uh, it'll be funny having uh, to Greg and um, I don't know. I'm trying to rack my brain if there's any more coming out soon, but um, I still think it's a little while before uh, anyone after to Greg. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a. It's a nice group of guys. So we uh, we all we all get on pretty well. I know Richard Green was trying to get over for. Qualifying school, maybe end of 2019 or 2020 must have been Yeah, um, when they had to cancel it. So he's he's waiting in the wings, but, yeah, it's probably hard to get in at the moment. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, there's, you know, there's obviously uh, quite a few guys who can come through Q school. Uh, the guys who've most of the time spent in Europe, uh, they can definitely come over here. So um, hopefully, hey, the more the merrier. Hopefully there'll be some more guys get through. Um, it'd be good to see. Yeah, Phil's brought a lot of attention to the Champions Tour. There's a guy who turns 50 mm-hmm. in probably two and a half years or by the name of Tiger Woods who hasn't been able to play much lately. I didn't think he'd be a Champions no. Tour candidate, but I'm wondering now with the injury and that competitive streak that I'm sure is deep within and hasn't quite gone away, is there any expectation yep. or thoughts on tour that you guys will see Tiger out there in a couple of years? Oh, it'd be awesome if it was. But right now, from my understanding, is that uh, I the, the ankle is supposed to be. It's not. A, it's really bad. So for him to actually hit a shot first, that'll be interesting. Interesting to see if he actually even gets to hit a shot. But yeah, if he does, it'd be great. Um, you know, anywhere wherever he goes, it's it'll be awesome to see him back out on the on the golf course again. So you know, cross fingers. Hopefully, he'll get uh, get onto the. PJ Tour first, and then uh, once that two and a half years goes goes by, you know, maybe uh, maybe he may venture out for one or two. Um, I don't know, but it would uh, it'd certainly be awesome if he did. Rod, uh, COVID times difficult for all of us. Um, how long since mm-hmm. you've been home to Brisbane, and uh, you know when is that going to happen? How difficult's that been? You know, with family and friends. Yeah. For- 2019 was the last time we'd been home to see uh, both my, obviously my wife's Australian. So we've both our mums are still alive and then family as well. So that's the last time we've actually been on, on Aussie soil. So right now your guess is as good as mine. I guess it's, we're just waiting to see what, what's happening. And um, obviously it's not going to be this year. So hopefully cross fingers, 2022, we'll be able to get back, um, back to Aussie to you know, see family. But uh, yeah, it's, it's you know obviously it's it's disappointing, but there's a lot lot of people this is affected in in so many different ways. It's um, 
it's not good, but hopefully uh, we've learnt and this will we'll be able to somehow uh, stop this from happening again. What's the experience of COVID been like in living in the States? Um, obviously, we have a lot more states over here. So, there's, you know, every state has been different. So, it's um, luckily for us being in Dallas, it hasn't been too bad. I think it'd be, I'm, and I'm not 100% sure, but I'm guessing it'd be similar to Queensland where we're still able to get out and do things. But, um, you know, there's still the mask wearing and all those sorts of things, but it's, just common sense is the, is the key, which unfortunately I think it seems to have disappeared in a lot of areas. But yeah, we certainly haven't been locked down as much as what's happened down the Sydney and Melbourne and, and Adelaide, I guess. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, you're just trying to do the right thing. And hopefully, as I say, it'll clear itself up soon. I can't let you go without asking about the Mighty Rabbitohs and the grand final and whether you. Got to see it? What yeah, time of day? I know. Where? No, I didn't get to see it. It was at night time, but, yeah, it was a little bit disappointing to see. They, they did such a great job of getting all the way through to the, to the grand final. But uh, uh, my old caddy of uh, 13 years, Simon Corbett's a Panthers fan. So, yeah, we had a bit of a rivalry going there. So, obviously, when we beat them in, the, I think it was the preliminary finals, that was a that was a nice win for me there just to uh, stick it to him. But, um uh, you know what? It's uh, it was great to see him get there. Um, you know, hopefully, obviously, they've lost a few key players for next year, but I think um, I think they'll still be up there. They're a pretty solid team, and they've got some depth. So, you know, cross fingers, they have another great year next year. Well, Rod Pampling, good luck for your event this Appreciate week it. in North North Carolina. I know you're, you're sort of winding up towards the finals of the Charles Schwab Cup, so good luck with that. It's always a great pleasure to have you on Inside the Ropes. Not the first time, of course, and good yep. to see you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the call. Talk soon. With Australian Golf Media, you're back Inside the Ropes. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. Well, a 97-page document lobbed on my desk recently. It's called, colloquially at least, The Nature Report. Commissioned by the AGIC, which I mentioned before, is the collaboration of Golf Australia, the PGA, WPGA, and other industry bodies, and it's meant to give a snapshot of where golf is in Australia and where it's headed as well. I can tell you for a fact that it's already being used to help draft the Australian golf strategy that's to be released around December, and the themes within that report are already reverberating, which brings me to Gavin Kirkman, chair of the AGIC. Welcome, Gavin. Thanks very much, Martin. If I was to pin you down, there's a lot in this report, but um, what what do you take out of it? What what does it all mean? Well, the results show both strengths and challenges confronting golf in the country at the moment. But what I take out of it is there's 9 million Australians interested in golf. And that's fantastic when you think that uh, you know, less than 5% of them are members of golf clubs and facilities, but there's 9 million interested in playing our sport here in Australia, which is very exciting. So that, that suggests there's upside, doesn't there? There's a, a potential there. To, to, if you can even capture a small amount of that market as a sport, it's going to be stronger, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, it's considered what the survey's done, and we surveyed you know, 12 100 Australians, independent of all the golf organisations that you mentioned within the AGIC. But, you know, golf has been considered as fun, accessible, a game for life, is good for mental health and physical health. So when you see all these attributes that uh, what makes our sport so special and very different to a lot of other sports, it's positive for our industry, but it's positive for Australians that they've got to get out and play some golf. There was one thing I, I spoke to you about this a few days ago, but I'll, I'll mention it again, that this report shows that there are 1.645 million players of alternative forms of golf, including 295,000 categorised as, as ball hitters. It also says that, or it estimates that many children, uh, around 1.1 million children, are interested in playing golf, but they're interested in alternative forms. That That's a big uh, part of this uh, report as well, isn't it, Gab? That the entry, the entry points to get people into the game. Yeah, Martin, I think it's uh, 
that that information is key because what we've looked at for too long in our sport and we've seen you know over the past 20 years a decline in our sport but what this report outlines is the different formats and how to get into the game now whether it's at mini golf whether it's at a driving range and even you know of recent simulator golf has become more more accessible and it's a great way to get into the sport i think the other thing it's highlighted that you know golf has got to be fun it's got to be you know out there it doesn't always have to be competition but if it's fun it's going to attract more men women and juniors um, to the game Gav, where does the establishment of those entry points fall upon we're seeing a lot of clubs having success in the last few years building mini golf courses and bringing in completely new demographics to their facilities. How do we turn these numbers into action? And who's responsible, I guess, for establishing entry points for people who are interested in playing the game? Yeah, well, one of the thing, you know, that, things that we are working on with the Australian golf strategy and, and mini golf you know, got raised in the recent virtual conference, but you know, working together, we've all got to be responsible. We've all got to become custodians of the sport. But, you know, Golf Australia, you know, have, has always had a focus, you know, from their, from their organisation um, with golf clubs, traditional golf clubs. But I think what we're learning, public facilities and mini golf and driving range play a big part in the whole pathway and the journey for golf. So I think, you know, with, with where we're heading as a sport and, and the new Australian golf strategy, we're going to ensure that an entry for the sport doesn't always have to be on an 18-hole golf course. If your first time you're going to hit a golf ball is going to be at mini golf, that is great. That's going to engage you in the game. And then if you're going to go to a driving range, even better and simulator. But, you know, when you look at these numbers, 9 million Australians interested in playing golf, we've got to make sure that if they don't end up a traditional golf member like myself and, and, and Blakey um, at traditional golf courses, that's okay as well. As long as they're engaged in our sport, we're talking to them and the sport's doing something for their, their mental health, um, their physical health, but it's also getting juniors and women out and started into the game as well. Is there any work that needs to be done on breaking down that perception of the 95% of people interested in the game who aren't members, that golf clubs are a welcome environment for them to be a part of? I was speaking to a club this morning who's put a mini golf facility in on the Sunshine Coast, Maruchi River, with great success. They've had their driving range revenue double since the mini golf's come on board. And the reason for that is most people didn't think they were allowed to come in and use the driving range prior to that. But mini golf was a fun place they knew would, that you know kids would be welcome and then they saw the driving range and other facilities. How do we communicate to those 95% of interested in the game that they are welcome? How do we break that perception? Yeah, and we've got a market our sport better. We've got to let people know that you can go into these facilities and the facilities you're talking about, like Maruchi River, um, Wembley, you know, Kaluas, um, where you can see a mini golf, a driving range and a golf course, that's pretty exciting. That means you're going to go to the mini golf and you're going to say, I've just, you know, played nice, nice mini golf today and had a lot of fun with my friend. And then you're going to say, I want to go and hit a driver and iron on the range. From there, you're going to see the golf course and say, well, I'm going to go out and have some fun and I'm going to go and play nine holes. So I think we've got to, that 95% you're talking about is to ensure that we can find out who they are. We've got to start collecting data on social and casual golfers, men, women and juniors. We've got to make sure we use that data. And then the facilities that are out there led by public facilities and then even some of the private clubs that are moving this way, like Maruchi River, We've got to make sure that the public know that these golf courses are accessible and they're fun to play. And then we've got to make sure the experience and the customer experience we deliver doesn't have a lot of regulations and do's and don'ts. Yeah, what was the what was the sign at Wembley, Gav? I think you told me that you liked the sign outside Wembley in Perth. Yeah, Every, everyone welcome. And it's the same as uh, Emerald Lakes on the Gold Coast. Everyone is welcome. And, uh, you know, that means if you're, got a t-shirt on or you've uh, your, your shirt's not tucked in um, or you're in gym gear um, just go and hit some golf balls and have some fun and it's exercise is it a difficult position for us to come from then that we have to make it that blunt 
that everyone's welcome, that that's the overriding perception, that we can't expect every course to put a mini golf facility in so that no families are welcome. Like I just, you know, I'm so excited by the numbers we're seeing and people interested in the game, and I know people love golf. I just think it's such a stumbling block for people that they still have this idea that I can't go into that golf club because I'm not a member. I don't know how we get past that without, yeah, I and, don't know, and some really... That's going to come out, Tony, that, that we're all working together. And this is where, you know, when you look at how the industry's got to work together with, with the bodies that are involved in the AGIC, that's, that's a strong communication. So if there is just a standalone driving range and mini golf, you know, Golf Central up in Brisbane, well, they've got to partner up with some, some golf courses nearby that have got public access or social membership, and they've all got to start together because, you know, the industry, we're working together, you know, from leadership. So it's going to take strong leadership, but it's all going to take, a, you know, a marketing campaign, some good messaging to get out there. But to get everyone, as you said, to get everyone online, that golf courses are accessible. Now, if private clubs, and I, I respect all the private clubs, if they're not going to have the accessibility like a public golf course or a semi-private golf course, um, that's fine, but we've just got to make sure we, we send the messages out the right way and we tell our story much better than we have in the past. Gavin, do you, the comment I made about this uh, nature report being used to, to really drive the strategy that's being put together for the end of the year, is that, does that sound fair to you? It seems to me like it'll be a significant part of that. I will. Yeah, this, this report's come up, you know, the... Uh, the emerging themes that have come out of the, you know, the virtual conference we had with, with key stakeholders in the business, you know, we know the five key points are telling our story better, which is exactly what Tony's saying. We've got to get rid of the perceptions and the myths, and we've got to make sure that everyone is welcome um, into golf facilities. We've got to break down the dress codes. We've got to have some more fun, and we've got to have competition, but there could be less competition, and that's what Jeff Ogilvie spoke about. We've got to attract new golfers, and the new golfers are going to be you know, in, the, in that 9 million of Australians that are interested. But then we've got to grow our core, and growing our core means we've got to make sure that you know, we're consistent in the experience, the golf experience we do deliver. But it's not just a golf experience. It's a, it's a recreation experience that will have food and beverage, socialising. Everything will attract retail, um, club fitting, lessons, the whole lot. So the... the grow our core is to make sure we're consistent in what we deliver and then from there when we get into our, our summer of golf and, and our tour and our tournaments around the country we've got to build the fan base which are all part of that nine million but it, it finishes with the, the most important thing that that James Sutherland, Karen Lunn and I talk about a lot it's working together and it's leadership at the top of our sports got to work together to make sure we open up all the doors for all the golfers of men, women, and juniors coming into the sport. Yeah, we've had in the past, I remember the Golf Access Australia handicap that was trialled, oh, geez, that might be 10, 15 years ago now, to try and engage social golfers. Has there been any, I guess, progress or thought put into how we, I guess, get that data we speak of and communicate and, you know, make make these part-time golfers feel part of the family? Have we made any progress on, I guess, how we, make them yeah an engaged member yeah. of the golf community yeah tony there's been there's been some good inroads made there on on you know digital strategies being worked on you know as we speak by by the organizations you know again all working together and and to capture the social golfer so that everyone hitting a ball or playing the game you know we've learned a lot through COVID about you know the qr scanning and and so forth so we've got to make sure it's it's easy, it's user-friendly, and that every time someone does hit a golf ball at, at any, in any format, at any facility, um, that we're capturing that data because the data we capture at the moment is primarily on competition rounds and from um, golf link handicapped golfers. The, the other point on that is, you know, we're learning that competition is good, but not everyone plays like Blakey and I play on a Saturday trying to win the, the Stableford events um, at our home clubs. Some Doggy, people just dog. Want... <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm being excluded from these. I, I try and win some comps too. I don't know what you guys think of my golf, but I'm out there having a go. I don't win often, He's but dissing I'm you, Tony. He's dissing you. But uh, me play. Uh, we'll, we'll bring you into the group, Tony. But, 
but what I'm trying to say there, there's around the world and, and especially in the States, um, people don't have to play competition golf or have a handicap. They just got to go and play golf and, and have some fun with their, with their friends or, or with their family, which is more important. So I think it's just getting the right balance. If people think they've got to come and play golf and the only way you play golf is competition golf, well, well that's not the message. We've got to tell that story that you can go out and have a lot of fun on the golf course um, and you're not competing all the time. You can just hit some good shots and it can be just a really good experience that includes some nice hospitality. It may may uh, just include hitting balls down at the range, um, which you see so many people do at Albert Park, just hit balls all week. Just one last one for me, Gavin. A big part of this, you know, we, the Vision 2025 um, has been established a number of years ago to try and get more women in the game and, and leading the game. Does the Nature Report highlight anything in terms of women's participation and, and young girls that we can work towards and, and build from? Yeah, and there's been a lot of work done on Vision 2025 and, and Golf Australia have led that really well and, and supported by the wider industry. But I think, you know, the 5.8 million Australians have come out of this report that are positive positively disposed to golf, 46% of them were female. So it highlights that there's there's women playing our sport, but we haven't harnessed and, and they haven't been welcomed, you know, into traditional golf or um, Tony Martin, they may not want to play traditional golf. They just may want to play and we've got to capture that data. So this report highlights the potential. And I think through the vision 2025 and, and what, uh, the industry is doing, you know, through that group, that steering committee. Um, I think we've just got to make sure we break down the barriers and the courses and the golf course designs and the way to um, get access into a golf course is more relaxed. Gavin, are you happy with what you got out of this report? Because it was the AGIC, of course, who commissioned it. Um, are you happy with what you see? I mean, there are challenges in there, aren't there? There are mention of different challenges, the, the challenge of engaging with women, engaging with young people, but it's not all, uh, you know, good news necessarily, but it's, it's, it's hard and it's tough and, and also encouraging. Yeah, yeah, and I think we've got to go in that, that there is a bright future. You know, the survey finds uh, different formats of golf are the way forward for the sport in Australia, which is exciting. I think uh, it's, you know, opens up through COVID that we've, we've got to take advantage of this resurgence. It's engaging women and the youth of the day, which is really important, and we know that. And investing in public facilities, I think that's really important. We've got to make sure that public facilities are recognised and the driving ranges are recognised, the mini golf are recognised, and that's your pathway. That's your start of your golf journey and to have some fun and to have a great golf experience. Well, it's the Nature Report uh, commissioned by the AGIC. It's sitting there on the website at pga.org.au, the PGA's website, and also at the Golf Australia website, golf.org.au. I'm sure you'll find it if you go there. It may well be, it's probably on the WPGA website as well. So, and if you can't find it there, then put it into Google and it'll, the Google doctor will probably help you out as well. And uh, Gavin Kirkman, it's been great to talk to you about this. It's an exciting time. Are you getting into Sandringham soon, by the way? I should ask. Yeah. Um- I've, uh, I've called in here today, so we're going through setup, so we're allowed very limited um, time in here. So I'm actually down here today, and and you talk about driving ranges. The uh, the the range outside here is is covered in little little yellow golf balls, and uh, there's a lot of engagement. And I think the car park is full, so there's plenty happening down here at Sandy Links today at the Australian Golf Centre. So. It's quite an exciting time for golf with uh, yeah. so many people still at home and uh, social distancing, very easy in golf. It's uh, it's a boom. We're witnessing a boom and it's about capturing that and, and running and running with the ball, so to speak. Gavin Kirkman, thanks for joining us on Inside the Ropes. Uh, thanks very much, Martin. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Gavin. We'll be, we'll be back with more on Inside the Ropes in just a moment. With Australian Golf Media, you're back Inside the Ropes. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes, and it's time for some general business. Tony, um, you were saying something about the Corn Ferry uh, Tour? Yeah, the Corn Ferry Tour is 
season wrapped up a few weeks ago, but the uh, the qualifying for next year has been underway and we had a few Aussies get through stage one and we're now getting ready for stage two. So um, we've got John Lyris who um, popped up there at Moona Links early in the year on the, I think in the big PGA it might have been. Um, he uh, He's he's playing alongside Brett Coletta um, there in Florida starting tomorrow, or Tuesday in the US, I guess. And then uh, next week we've got a host of Aussies, you know, a real mix, you know, some young guns and some familiar, some familiar faces, guys like Steve Allen and Mark Hensby, James Nitties, Matthew Goggin. They're all they're all in second stage, and if they can move past that stage into the finals, they'll all have some kind of status on the contrary tour for next year. But yeah, good good mix of Aussies are trying to secure some playing rights for next year. I know that we were talking to Rod Pampling earlier about Tiger Woods. Did you see the photo of Tiger watching his son Charlie playing at a tournament? kind of made me that kind of prompted me to ask the question because as soon as tiger p- appears on a golf course he's still got the leg brace or the i guess the some really sort of brace, sleeve but kind of yeah like a sleeve yeah. on his leg there obviously it's still recovering and i'm sure there are a lot of skin grafts and things that happen to get him back on his feet but as soon as he's back on his feet everyone's going to start wondering when he might swing a golf club again and, and yeah it was it was probably insightful from rod just as to how doubtful he thought he might even be to swing a golf club again. I wasn't sure. I knew it was bad, but for a guy like Rod to say he might not swing one again, that was, yeah, probably pretty enlightening to me. Well, it was great to see him back in any capacity, really. Uh, uh, one of the greatest players ever, of course. So um, some old guys have been doing some good stuff this week, uh, Tony. I know We always say that golf's a game for life, but uh, I think, you sent me through a story about Hugh Brown, who's the oldest playing member at Indooroopilly in Brisbane. Uh, he's had a big week, hasn't he? He might now have laid claim to being the oldest person to have a hole in one in Australian golf. Well, we someone got, we got... someone asked me that. Um, you know, Channel Nine were doing a story on him this week, and uh, they they asked me, "Do you are you aware of anyone?" Um, I certainly am not aware of anyone ninety nine years of age who's had a hole in one. We would have heard about it. If someone was 100 and had had a hole in one, that would have been big news. But, yeah, it was interesting to see. I saw the Channel 9 uh, piece on the news and um, yeah, poor old Hugh got in trouble from his playing partners because he hit up with his driver on the 140-metre <laughs> par three and they're all carrying on. And he thought, geez, these blokes are being a bit over the top. You must not normally get there, Hugh, but it got there and rolled straight into the hole. So um, I think he's – the the group, not only were his playing partners dumbfounded, but the group in front as well who had to watch the ball roll past their feet and into the hole. Fantastic story it is, and uh, see if you can find that Channel 9 coverage of it. And also on golf.org.au, uh, Dane Heverin did a nice story on that. But uh, there was an older player this week who's having a, a big birthday, and I'm referring to John Skipper, who's the oldest member at Royal Adelaide Golf Club, the magnificent Royal Adelaide. Now, we're recording this on a Tuesday, Tony, but as it stands at the moment, John Skipper's got his Wednesday tea time tomorrow and he's turning 100. So he plays one to two times a week. He played recently in a in a, a four-ball event with his daughter and almost won it. He's playing off a 30. He's playing off a 30 handicap still. Um, he was never – he doesn't recall ever being a single-figure player. I spoke to him yesterday, but he's got to, he got down to about 12. He's shot his age a few times, uh, but he said not recently. He can't He can't do it now. He can't, seems to get close, but he can't quite manage it. But he's, I think he said, uh, when I was 98, I came close. Um, that's the last time he got close. But uh, congratulations to John Skipper. And again – uh, on Wednesday, we'll have uh, a little story on John on golf.org.au, the Golf Australia website, which is also includes a little bit of video. And if you have a look at it, he's he's amazing. He looks he, well. He looks about seventy to me. He's going to. Uh, I'm going to have to reset a few life goals. Playing playing golf on my hundredth birthday is definitely now high on my list. I think there's only a handful in Australia. We actually tried to look it up on, on Golf Link there in the office one day a few months ago because I was doing a story about Tom Sample, who's a member at Bonnie Doon in Sydney, and he's 100 and he plays a couple of times a week. And uh, we could find about seven or eight 
people on the golf link list that were actually 100 years old and still on that list. But what wasn't clear was whether they're actually still playing or they've just kept their their membership kind of thing. So uh, definitely there's Tom in Sydney and there's another woman out at Concord in Sydney who I've mentioned before. Um, I just can't can't nail her name at the moment, but she's 100 and also uh, John Skipper, so well done. Any other uh, general business, Tony, or are we just about uh, cooked for the day? No, I just think, you know, that nature report, it just highlights again, you know, we talk about these centurions playing golf and our want and need to to get young people involved in the game and, and the opportunities it presents to them. Like, if you're a golfer and listening to this, you probably are. You know, take your friend out into the driving range. Take a friend who's shown an interest and yeah. that's not a member of a club. Play mini golf, go to a driving range, do something fun together and um, let's share this game with as many people as we can because people are out there wanting to be part of it. We just need to make sure that they know that they're, that they're welcome and, um, yeah, and, and just, just give them a little gentle nudge on their journey because it can last a long, long time and, and it's got a lot of health benefits too. To us later in life, and yeah, it's a it's a game for life and a game for everyone. So let's let's share it with everyone. Any golf on the radar for Cairns this weekend? I think you're heading up up north. I'm sneaking away. You know what? Richard Chamberlain, who was a mini golf course architect extraordinaire, has just invited me to play my first Open. I'm going to play the Mudrabar Open at Boomerang Farm next Saturday. So uh, that is going to be my goal. Apparently, if I play out in holes and make the cut. You got to turn up at seven o'clock on a Sunday, so I'm not sure if the cuts to do with your stroke or how Saturday night goes. But how do you get that past the family? Oh no, that'd be okay. That's Boomerang Farm's little nine hole, so it's a okay. very fun little course to play. And going to play with uh, Emma Beauclerk, who's one of the golf tour operators up here, and, and Richard. So it'll be a fun afternoon, and let's see if I can't make a cut for the first time in my life. Very nice. Well, thanks very much for your contribution today. It's been fun. Always good to chat to Pamps and the Nature Reports, yeah, a really important piece of work. So let's hope we can build on that and make this game even greater. Yeah, the Nature Report's available, as I mentioned earlier, on golf.org.au and pga.org.au, and I believe it's on wpga.org.au as well. So if you're interested in that, have a read of that. And make sure you subscribe to Inside the Ropes through the usual channels. And we'll be back next week with more news and views on Aussie golf.